0: the cnbc app global market news in one place customizable sections and personalized alerts stocks tracking interactive charts and market insights all in your hands stay connected stay informed download the cnbc app today
1: welcome to Fox. here are your headlines today u.s consumer prices rise at their fastest pace in over 30 years in october jumping 6.2 percent and pushing yields higher or major indices close in the red. Disney shares drop after the bell as the House of Mouse reports lower Disney Plus subscribers than expected and posts its first earnings miss since the beginning of the pandemic. But CEO Bob Chepik reaffirms his guidance and expansion plans. We're going to double the number of markets that Disney Plus is in in international territories uh, by fiscal year 2023. And the second component's obviously going to be new fresh content across all of our wonderful Disney franchises.
0: Good morning, everybody. The world's two biggest emitters come together at COP as China and the United States announce a surprise plan to boost climate cooperation and cut emissions.
2: We have to mitigate faster. We have to cut methane emissions faster. We have to continue to raise ambition. And most of all, we have to take action in order to keep 1.5 degrees centigrade alive.
0: And in corporate earnings news, Zurich Insurance reaffirming its 2022 outlook as reports uh, strong momentum across all business segments and a strong capital position. The CFO, George Quinn, will join us at the bottom of the hour.
1: On the corporate front today's mini super earnings day, we're going to hear from the CEO of Siemens, Mac and Delivery Hero, along with others on what is a very busy day on that earnings front.
0: So welcome to the program everybody let's start off with uh, the continuation of this corporate earnings season and this is an important company Siemens. The uh Company delivering at their headline level an orders beat and a better than expected sales number during the fourth quarter. Uh, this is uh, a major German engineering and uh, technology company, of course. And we've talked in uh, recent months about some of the challenges around tackling the supply chain issues. But the uh, business says uh, sales rose 19 percent, uh, sorry, 18 percent to 17.44 billion euros the uh, uh, number handily beat the expectation of uh, 16.82 billion euros orders up 26 percent to 19.07 billion euros that was ahead of the 17.56 billion euros that was expected here the company says it's seeing growth opportunities in many key markets despite quote Ongoing supply chain risks associated primarily with electronics components and raw materials, although it does go on to say that it has reduced the impact of some of those challenges across the quarter. Uh, The uh, company giving us a net income line on the fourth quarter of 1.33 billion euros. The expectation there was for 1.23 billion. So, again, that is uh, a little ahead of the expectation. The group says the uh, 2021 dividend of uh, four euros up from three and a half euros uh, a year earlier will be delivered. Uh, Let me see if I can find you a a few other lines here around uh, strategy. The company says it assumes rigorous execution of our portfolio optimization strategy will contribute similarly as in fiscal 2021. And that's that reaffirmation of the 2022 target here. The uh, company says um, that uh, the... Uh, Profit margin for mobility in the 10 to 10.5% range, the margin in the infrastructure business 12 to 13% and uh, digital industries uh, 19 to 21%. And it's important, I think, we can continue to give you a line on some of these margin outlooks, given that, as we know, the uh, inflation story is nibbling away at the um, opportunity. Uh, for these companies when it comes to high holding the line on margin basically they have to decide whether the customer is going to take the pain or they're going to take the pain we will hear from the ceo later this hour at 7 central european time so stay with us for that conversation karen
1: and uh, jeff i'm also looking at earnings here mac crossing with numbers this morning and uh, the real takeaway message has been the upgrade to its forecast now for the full year 2021 it's saying group net sales now seen between 19.3 and 19.85 billion euros and their forecast of ebitda has also been lifted to 6 billion to 6.3 billion euros and this is the company has produced a stronger third quarter net sales rising by 11.8 percent to five billion euros EBITDA was uh, down uh, by 8.7%, but there is an anomaly here, the reversal of a provision in the earlier quarter. If you X out that effect, the EBITDA would have actually increased by 16.2%. The company talks about the big three, very complex business when you consider what the big three are. Process solutions, new healthcare products, And Semiconductor Solutions are saying that they're again key drivers uh, operating cash flow increases by 25.3% and net debt has been lowered to 9.3 billion euros. So the company just running through some of those big metrics, but clearly seeing very strong levels across the business uh, with many different components firing on all cylinders. So we're going to get into that a little bit more and talk about uh, some of the growth plans with the company as well. Don't miss that interview with the CFO, Marcus Kinnett at 810 CET. Jeff
0: yeah, just having a look at a, a deal that 's uh, crossing the wires here, Karen, and we will just mention it very uh, briefly, um, but just to to make sure that um, our, our audience is uh, fully covered off on this uh, seeker uh, seeker ga is uh, going to acquire. Uh, rival MBCC. Uh, this is in the uh, chemicals and, and construction space. The uh, company says the acquisition will accelerate its growth strategy and reinforce its position as a sustainability champion in the global uh, construction industry. It is a deal with an enterprise value of uh, five and a half billion Swiss francs here. The uh, group says it's confident uh, that the required clearances uh, will be obtained. Uh, The acquisition, it says, will be accretive to Seeker's earnings per share from the first full year post closing. And they're looking for synergies already in the range of 160 to 180 uh, million Swiss francs. Uh, so we'll just keep an eye on this story and see what other uh, developments we, we see around it. But interesting that we start the morning again with another significant deal in the European MA space, Karen.
1: Jeff, uh, let's uh, pick up and talk about that all important inflation number stateside, uh, which grew at its fastest level in more than 30 years in the month of October, ratcheting up pressure on the Federal Reserve and the Biden administration. Headline, CPI grew 6.2% from a year ago, topping expectations. Meanwhile, core inflation, which strips out food and energy, rose 4.6%, its fastest gain since August 1991. The surge was driven by sharp increases in fuel prices, while car prices, both new and used, also contributed to the reading, Jeff.
0: Yeah, interesting. The uh, the yield curve reaction, Karen. And I guess we should put a, point out to our audience this morning that there will be no bond market action in the United States, which is a little bit frustrating. For those who want to see the second order effect here, uh, work their way through the market. But the timing of that uh, CPI release, of course, coming just a day ahead of Veterans Day. So the bond market will be closed. But inevitably, the reaction that we saw across the curve yesterday, just a reflection of how ultimately the market was scrambling to try to reprice inflation expectations. So we did get a move across the curve of about 10 basis points uh, initially through the trading session. That puts the 10-year up as much as one spot, 5.92. I think we eased back a little bit from that. But I think, um, you know, if if Steve were here, he'd be obviously red-faced and banging the desk about, is it transitory, is it transitory? I think we still don't know at this point. But obviously, this, um, as far as the market concerned, this higher print uh, Six point uh, two. Uh, it does. It does um, uh, again raise some questions as to whether the market is appropriately positioned for transitory inflation for longer. Even if it is in, even if it does turn out to be uh, transitory, how do you then assess its impact on market expectations if it just turns out to be? transitory for longer than Jay Powell and other Fed commentators have continued to argue for at this point because clearly there will be some impact on corporate earnings there will be some impact on wage expectations here Uh, and as I say I, I think what the movement on the curve yesterday reflected was just that a lot of market participants are really struggling here to understand what the appropriate response might be.
1: I think, Jeff, we're learning that transitory can be very uncomfortable and very unsettling. We saw on the downside, of course, around the pandemic, very large declines in some of the services and manufacturing numbers that was also uncomfortable territory and on the back of that you look for a very very quick snapback. I think it's a very similar pathway now as we talk about much higher prices investors will look very quickly for a snapback to more comfortable territory before you start to see entrenched action around these inflation expectations and I, I think for many market participants there's been an element of Goldilocks about the market for a number of sessions here had good earnings we've had more fiscal policy in the states around that one trillion dollar infrastructure package and we've had a Fed that uh, seems still to flesh out a time frame for a taper, but uh, not bringing forward those interest rate hikes. That inflation story yesterday, just a little bit too hot for the markets. And you could see the reversal that took place with the Dow, the S&P and NASDAQ right across the board. And every time you see this pull back in the tech sector, it does give you a sense that investors are getting a little bit nervous about the multiples that the technology sector trades on if you do have a, a higher rate environment down the track. So that was where you saw concentration of selling the 260 odd points coming into the mix to the downside and switching over to the dollar though as we talk about uh, elements of benefit in this type of environment dollar was one of the shining stars yesterday investors uh, looking at the yield story marching into the dollar you can see morning session just coming off a little bit but uh, sterling trading at 134.19 euro 114.79 dollars still stronger versus the japanese yen and also against the chinese currency and to what we're seeing on commodities, and one of the big imports here in this inflation story has been the energy mix. Very strong prices that we've witnessed and a continuation as we hold above the $80 a barrel mark on WTI and Brent. You can see Morning Session again supported some pushback, though, from the U.S. administration, from Joe Biden about tackling these prices, but initially taking a little bit off the price, but not now. As you can see, just regrouping these markets, still perched higher. Gold actually uh, getting a little bit of bid too, 18.54 on the trade this morning, up a quarter of 1%. Asia are stewing over those inflation numbers uh, a little bit this morning because the Australia tracking lower, that market trading down. Other big features though for these markets, in particular Singles Day, that big shopping event uh, that takes place in China. Uh, also a good test of the health of the consumer market at this point. So closely eyed, there have been a few question marks around the state of play in the mainland economy and beyond and what that uh, retail environment looks like. So today, quite a key one. You can see China stocks bouncing near on 1% and uh, Japanese stocks a bit further north. We are trading from 170-odd points. Uh, meantime to Evergrande, this has been an important feature too for confidence in the Chinese market and Hong Kong. In what we've heard the latest is that Evergrande reportedly has paid the delayed interest owed on at least two bonds. The grace period for $148 million in coupon payments expired yesterday and the stock higher in trade today, Jeff.
0: Yeah, thanks very much, Karen. What did you say, Goldilocks? Uh, well, it was no fairy tale, was it, for... Uh, Disney numbers. Uh, Disney took a hit in extended trade after posting a significant miss on earnings and a sharp slowdown in subscriber growth for its streaming service. Disney Plus gained just 2.1 million new paid accounts in the quarter. That is the lowest number of new subscribers since it launched just before the pandemic. However, Bob Chapek stressing the unit will still hit its longer-term targets on the back of international expansion and new content releases. Chapek also telling CNBC the entertainment giant is focusing on the metaverse after Facebook doubled down on its bid to connect the physical and digital worlds with its recent rebrand.
1: My vision is to use Disney Plus as the platform for the metaverse. I think it really blends our physical beings with our digital beings and creates a three-dimensional canvas, if you will, for our creative storytellers to paint so that we can create experiences that otherwise have been defined as it's a park experience or it's a movie experience or it's a book experience. I think those all come together without boundaries, without borders, without constraints.
0: The United States and China have signed a surprise joint declaration on fighting climate change. Uh, this would go some way, I think, to salvaging hopes of a strong final agreement at the COP26 summit in Glasgow. The deal signed by U.S. climate envoy John Kerry and his Chinese counterpart, Xi Jinping will see the world's two biggest emitters vow to cut methane emissions, phase out coal, and curb deforestation. It marks the first substantial climate pledge that China has made at the COP summit. Well, John Kerry, for his part, said cooperation among states is crucial in the fight against climate change.
2: The whole point of this is that the steps we're taking, we believe, can answer questions people have about the pace at which China is going, and help China and us and others to be able to accelerate their efforts. Out of this cooperation, we expect acceleration of the rate of reduction. And the only way you get it is by sharing technology, working together, sharing climate technology, working together in an effort to do it.
1: A Former Federal Reserve uh, Bank of India Governor Rajaram Rajan has called on richer countries to do more to cut carbon emissions amid pressure at COP26 for developing nations to slash their use of fossil fuels. Juliana spoke to the current professor of finance at Chicago Booth and asked him whether it is realistic to expect more from India.
3: To be frank, I think India understands fully that it's uh, subject to, you know, it's one of the frontline states in in climate change. The monsoon is almost surely going to be affected in in very uh, curious ways. We're already seeing rainfall across India, um, you know, uh, being disrupted. Uh, excessive rainfall in some areas, too little in others. So yes, climate change is front and center on India's agenda. I think the 2070 is more of yeah. We'll certainly do it by then. Uh, it's, uh, but I don't think uh, it's uh, it's really uh, you know the target. I think India will do far more. And if you look at renewables, India is doing a lot on renewables, uh, and and I, I think that will pave the way for more. I think at this point, India doesn't want to lock into commitments when it says the rich countries aren't doing their share. Let them step up much more because we're a poor country. Our per capita emissions is very low. And, and we will do what is necessary. But you guys, you're the guys who put it out there and you're still putting it out there. Why don't you do more first before you start preaching to us?
0: So Modi, um, sending a bit of a political message with this 2070 target.
3: I think he's saying that we're not an outlier. We understand we have a commitment to do it. But, uh, you know, um, uh, this is the minimum we'll do. Uh, I think it's more uh, laying the minimum stake rather than, uh, you know, this is the maximum. I think much more will happen over time.
0: Well, we've got more corporate news to look at uh, in just a moment for you. Industrial services company Bill Finger says it is on track to deliver its targets for the year. But citing some headwinds, we're going to hear from the interim CEO, Christina Johansson, after the break
1: for more on the inflation surge stateside and to find out what that means for investors you can check out the Box podcast
0: Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts.
1: Billfinger has raised its four-year outlook slightly after its third quarter revenue hit 945 million euros, growing 12% organically year on year. The German industrial services provider swung back to the black with a net profit of €54 million Euros after a loss of €19 million a year ago. Billfinger also announced that new CEO Thomas Schultz will take on the role in March next year. Well, joining us now is Christina Johansson, who is interim CEO of Billfinger. Christina, thank you very much for joining us again today. I want to get into the numbers. You've been making a steady progress in the business and now a slightly upped forecast. Just give us a sense of some of the improvement that you're witnessing in the business at this stage.
2: Good morning, Karen. Yes, it has been a, another good quarter and we are very, very happy about the progress we have made this year, um, especially Europe, very, very strong ramping up after last year's COVID impact. So both uh, the top line, but also especially our cost structure is much fitter. Um, And uh, it's all through Europe, especially that this progress has taken place. And most of our industries are ramping up and uh, good, good growth in all of them.
1: Christina, just break down the supply side for us at this point, because we know that there are challenges around the labour side. We've just seen it through the lens of a number of different readings globally around CPI that uh, there is pressure from materials coming into the mix. How strong are some of the headwinds that you are facing on the cost pressure side?
2: Well, looking at the supply chain, um, it's, it's mainly our clients that are suffering and, and uh, suffer from delays, which obviously also on the project side partly will have an impact on us. Directly, Billfinger is more selling the people, so we have an indirect impact. Uh, we see some projects with some delays, um, but not a big issue so far. Looking at the inflation, yes, we feel it. Um, and I think we need to get used to an environment of inflation. It hasn't been there for a very long time. But uh, we off, on one hand side, we have uh, clauses in some of our contracts to be able to escalate it. And on the other side, we need to make up for it on the efficiency side. So, yes, it is there. But we take the challenge and try to uh, make sure that uh, the results will not suffer. Christine, it's
0: just a couple of things that that sort of jump out in the numbers. One is just the uh, modest improvement in EBITDA margin. And obviously the question around uh, free cash flow at this point, only a, 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 a modest uh, improvement there. Um, what, what, what does it take um, in terms of writing profitable or doing profitable business to get both the margin and the free cash flow numbers moving a little bit more aggressively?
2: Well, I think in the first half, um, and uh, it has been a lot of focus on on growth. Uh, So obviously the working capital has increased as a normal consequence of that. Um, But where we are now at the end of September, the working capital is one of the main targets to improve until the end of the year. We are not happy with uh, the performance, even if it has improved in quarter three. So there is potential here to uh, get back to um, the very, very good performance working capital that we saw, especially at the end of last year. And I'm confident that we can improve in the last quarter. Um, I think the, the cash flow is something that obviously needs a lot of focus to be as fit as the EBITDA. Um, And uh, yes, there is a certain trade-off, but uh, in general, I think we have also made a lot of progress on the cash flow side over the last years. So I'm confident that that number will improve until the end of the year.
0: Uh, And obviously there's an important announcement here about uh, management. Uh, I I just wonder if I could ask you a couple of questions around that. do we expect there to be a change in strategy then from the incoming CEO? And uh, what will you do at this point? Go back to the CFO role or are you looking for for maybe a new challenge?
2: Well, if I start with your last question, I'm going back to uh, my role as CFO that I have had also During the interim period, um, I have been very clear from the beginning, I'm an interim CEO at Billfinger and I'm very happy as the CFO and I still see a lot of potential to um, support Billfinger here becoming better on the the financial side. So I'm looking forward to be able to focus on the CFO role again and I'm not looking for a new challenge outside of Billfinger. And going forward in regard of the strategy, I think we have a robust strategy. We have a transformation where we have taken essential steps forward in the last years not the least this year. Um, And of course, a new CEO will have new ideas um, and his focus will will be on the growth side. We need to uh, we need to grow faster. We need to also use the energy transition. Uh, to grow our business, and I'm looking forward to uh, Thomas joining us in March and, and contribute to this uh, growth that is, is also one of the most important steps on this transformation journey.
1: Christine, you certainly mastered the communication from the company while you've been interim and we look forward to continuing that with you. Let me ask you about that transition that you mentioned because I noticed in the numbers as I've been pouring through the presentation, nuclear has picked up. What sort of trends are you witnessing and where where do you see some of that growth in, in coming quarters?
2: Well, I think the 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 areas where we are expecting additional growth or overproportional growth is is obviously nuclear. There is a kind of revival in in Europe going on, um especially in the light of the new target set for a reduction in footprint in c o two um and then nuclear for many countries is a part of the strategy to increase nuclear. And um, then biopharma and pharma is, is an area where we see a lot of growth. And we have also recently uh, won some, some important projects here. Um, and then integrated larger projects where we are bundling our resources, especially in the chemical industry, um, is also giving growth. And recently, with a very strong oil price, obviously also oil and gas is, is ramping up. So many areas, it's the strategy on growth is built on a number of industries and changes in society, which is really good. So we are very positive when it comes to looking into next year and the years after.